Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. This is uh, Influenced. I believe this is the sixth episode. Yeah, I think it's number six. And this week we're doing uh, the British band Arctic Monkeys. They catapulted to success in the mid-2000s, like 2005, 2006, with their first singles off their debut album. And uh, they really just took the um, European music scene by storm and quickly became one of the biggest bands in the uh, indie canon. Happened quickly on the scene, right? With yeah, right out of the gate. Yeah, they definitely came out kicking, and they 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 formed as kind of a uh, high school band in the early two thousands, like I think two thousand two, two thousand three. Like the the early members, uh, Alex Turner, Jamie Cook, Andy Nicholson, and um, Matt Helders. They kind of all grown up together, just like went to school together. Matt Helders and Alex Turner have known each other since they were like babies. Like, I think you can find like pictures of them hey, hanging out when they're like seven or eight, like online. And they just kind of, hey, let's let's become a rock band. Yeah, they just kind of <laughs> wanted, uh, wanted to do it one day. And then... Um, I, I think there were like some guitars under a Christmas tree or something like that. Well, they basically all just like decided, like when it was like 2002 or 2003. The Britpop scene was kind of at its peak with Oasis, like dominating stadiums and the charts. And a lot of indie rock bands were starting to kind of creep up in the early 2000s, like The Strokes, The Hives, The Hives, especially one of the early big influences on the Arctic Monkeys. And also like a lot of early Jack White projects like like the uh, White Stripes and the Rock on Tours were definitely kind of cropping up and getting really, really big and massive. And there were also kind of an influx of uh, British bands like the Libertines, Franz Ferdinand, even even some smaller, neat, more niche UK acts like the Zootons and the Pigeon Detectives that started kind of getting big around this time that like really kind of started to put like a, a bit of a pinpoint on the UK as one of the forefronts of this kind of new indie scene, a lot like New York eh, with the uh, strokes and interpol and the yeah 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 is kind of all coming out around the same time so a lot of people were kind of looking at the uk being like okay well maybe there's uh another kind of uh indie band on the horizon or where they were just kind of and just keeping an eye on the uh scene and in europe as a whole but kind of specifically the uk and while they're not like a UK band specifically, I know I mentioned the Hives for a second earlier. They were one of the bigger influences on early Arctic Monkeys output, like the really punky attitude and snarling, heavy power core guitars. So here's Hate to Say I Told You So by the Hives. 
So you can really hear the like punk attitude, and I mean that sound. That song sounds like it could almost be like a punk track from one of the seventies or eighties, like bands in the in the prime of the kind of punk genre. But that kind of really throttle, full throttle sound, and like the the vocals that aren't even really sung; they're more kind of shouted or just put in your face. With com, kind of combined with the like propelling just rhythm section and the like massively distorted and like blown out guitar sounds, like that was a major major influence on the early Arctic Monkeys. Really? Kind of like almost it's, it's it's almost the blueprint for what they kind of did with their first album and their first kind of their first few releases including their first album whatever people say i am that's what i'm not but uh they really like their first few releases like their first album and first few eps really stressed like these this sound that was defined by these razor sharp distorted guitar chords propulsive propulsive like rhythm section and drums and like alex turner's like very witty in-your-face vocals that weren't always sung. They were sometimes shouted and sometimes almost, like, talked at you. It was a very interesting, almost, like, kind of rap-influenced approach that Arctic Monkeys took to their their first their first few songs that got them notoriety. So so here's their first big single. The It, it became so big... It was a number one hit in the UK charts. I bet you look good on the dance floor from their first album, Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not. That's, you know, kind of obviously, I'll state the obvious, every band's dream to come out with a number one right out of the gate. Oh, most definitely. I mean, like, that's kind of almost like biopic perfect moment for the Arctic Monkeys. But they kept it going. Yeah, they definitely kept it going. Like the next, the even the next single they released, uh, When the Sun Goes Down, also went straight to number one. And that's not even like a a major single track like it's a fairly down tempo song for early arctic monkeys and so they were kind of firing on all cylinders at all times in the early portions of their career and their first album also straight to number one in the uk charts so they were really like immediately kind of one of the biggest bands to watch in the mid-2000s like they were playing and even headlining massive festivals like not even three years into their into their professional careers. Like they headlined Glastonbury in 2007, having just released their second album. So not even, not even barely two albums into it. And they're already headlining what's generally considered the biggest music festival in European music for sure. So they were kind of immediately like 
thrust into the the big game like no real no gradual no gradual rise to stardom like a lot of bands can kind of afford it was kind of immediately like you're into the big leagues now you're you're playing you you got to write hits so they they were kind of they kind of immediately got back in the studio after their first few big tours and were like working really hard on their follow-up LP and during that time they actually swapped out the original mem- the original bassist Andy Nicholson for the member who still plays bass with them today Nick O'Malley I guess Andy Nicholson kind of uh had some mental issues that got in the way of really capitalizing on the band's success, and he wasn't able to tour America for their first American tour, so they drafted in Nick O'Malley as a replacement. Originally sort of temporary, but it kind of just stuck. Uh, So here's uh, one of the tracks off their second LP, Favorite Worst Nightmare, uh, called 505, that's actually a collaboration with another English musician kind of up-and-coming English musician at the time, uh, Miles Kane. So here's 505 off of Favorite Worst Nightmare. Stop and wait a sec When you look at me like that, my darling What did you expect? I'd probably still adore you with your hands around my neck Or I did last time I checked So while Favorite Worst Nightmare still has a lot of that very heavy indie influence, that very heavy early 2000s indie influence to it, the album is definitely not as unrefined. It's not it's not really a punk rock record anymore. They're making more refined rock music. They're definitely taking more time in the studio actually writing songs and getting the songs to sound exactly how they want them to. Like, they're definitely beginning to experiment with a lot more with just textures in the studio, like adding some keyboards on songs. Like, that that song 505 relies really heavily on this, like, repeating kind of organ chord progression played by Alex Turner that, that kind of repeats through the whole song. So they were definitely looking for ways to kind of expand their sound while still retaining a lot of that early strokesy indie influence. But as they kind of got older and older, like they they're they're still very young. They're still like barely out of their out of their teens at this point in the in the mid to late two thousands, like at this point, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But they're starting to kind of come into themselves a little bit more. Like they're they're all in their twenties by this point. A, a lot of them have started to like, kind of enjoy their lifestyle a little bit more. Like they're they're hanging out with other musicians. A lot of like like Alex Turner took a uh, a few month break from the Arctic Monkeys in between their second and third albums, actually, to join Miles Kane the musician who guested with him on 505 in a in a in a side project called the last shadow puppets that saw him kind of playing like all very very old-fashioned like very 60s and 50s influenced kind of baroque pop um with a lot of strings and a lot more keyboards and things like that so they were definitely starting to 
to um, weigh their horizons a little bit and just kind of want to uh, expand a little bit more just kind of out of that indie sphere and not kind of get boxed in as another indie band because the in the in the late 2000s the music industry was kind of a little saturated with just like the indie band of the week uh so they wanted to kind of break through break away from that and they started getting influenced by a lot of more vintage music like a lot of 70s and 60s rock like the 13th floor elevators and cream and Jimi Hendrix and a lot more of the kind of more experimental side of sixties rock and roll. And that's also when they started, like I said, I mentioned earlier, they were hanging out with a lot more other musicians and starting to let like outside influence kind of creep into their band sphere. And one of the biggest outside influences of in Arctic monkeys at that, in the early kind of two thousands or early, early 2010s, I should say at this point, um, was Josh Hame and um, Queens of the Stone Age as a whole. Uh, Josh Hame, if you don't know, is the front man of Queens of the Stone Age. And in the late 2000s and early 2010s, Arctic Monkeys and Queens of the Stone Age started playing some shows together at like festivals. And then I think Arctic Monkeys did a few shows as kind of a support act for Queens of the Stone Age. So they were they started to kind of developing this camaraderie, which culmin, culminated in Josh Homme producing a majority of Arctic Monkeys' third album, Humbug, which to that point had been their biggest sonic departure from their kind of established indie sound. Um, and they were taking a lot of influence from like kind of heavier, more experimental 70s rock like Cream and the 13th Floor Elevators while also taking influence from a lot of the stoner rock like Queens of the Stone Age at the time. So here's Queens of the Stone Age, Go With The Flow, off their iconic album, Songs for the Deaf. So when Josh started really working with the Arctic Monkeys, he wanted to kind of change up their way of creation a little bit, and he wanted them to really delve into what the studio could be as an instrument. So he he had them build all their songs for their album Humbug from the ground up, where they usually kind of built them piece by piece, like recording some of the parts together and then adding some parts on top. He had them record everything from the ground up. So starting with the drums, getting the drums sounding exactly how they wanted, and then putting some bass and guitars on top of that, and then the vocals, and then whatever else they could think of. So they really started layering their sound and like getting into what, it, how exactly they could make a song kind of move in and of it in itself with just like changing textures and like increased proficiency in just like how they want things to sound and where they want to put things in in their songs so here's crying lightning off their josh Hame produced album humbug 
Yeah, it's a great, great song. And you can really hear that influence, like you pointed out, Blake, with Queens of the Stone Age, that layering and the big, big drums, big bass. Yeah, big new sound for them. Yeah, so they were really getting into that like stoner rock and very psychedelic sound and kind of after Humbug and um, just like really, I mean, and Humbug was really kind of the biggest, the biggest shift in sound that they had made as a band since they really started. Like Alex Turner as a vocalist really came in to came into his own and like he sounds like almost a completely different front man off Humbug and from Humbug really to their their career now than he did when he was a a kid just screaming like a punk um but so that 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 so Humbug is really the biggest like I would say transitional record in the Arctic Monkeys kind of catalog and their discography so far and that it was kind of where they went from being just an indie band to being a band that can kind of encompass influence from a lot of different musical genres and just like any kind of any era of rock and roll that they feel uh, suited to, they can kind of make their own and do what they want with. And that that is definitely something that kind of played into their their next sort of era as a band after Humbug, um, which is which is when they went into uh, write and record their album that their, their fourth album as a band, the aptly titled uh, suck it and see um, their, their fourth album as a, as a full band uh, Alex Turner's like sixth album that he's made up into this point in his career with his side project with the last shadow puppets. And he also did a bit of a um, sidestep into the into the soundtrack world in 2010 when he soundtracked the uh, kind of indie indie film submarine so so Alex is definitely at this point in their career kind of uh worked his worked his songwriter magic in a lot of different a lot of different areas um and they kind of after after humbug after all the layering and all the um very intricate recording of humbug kind of wanted to take it back something a little bit simpler in terms of just like making the record. So when they were, went to record the songs that Alex had written for suck it and see, they decided to record a lot of them live in the studio as just like a, as a four, four piece band, or maybe, maybe with one other musician playing some keyboards or percussion. So much of suck it and see was recorded and written, written and recorded by the Arctic Monkeys playing live as a four or five piece band in the studio. And so here's uh, the title track off that album, Suck It and See, um, from their 2012 record, Suck It and See. After you talked about them recording that more or less live in the studio, and you and then you hear the song right after you talked about that, 
I'm picturing in my head, you know, these guys in the studio, ready to go. The producers in the control room gives them the hand signal and off they go. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So they, they definitely, I mean, suck it in. See was recorded entirely live with like maybe one to two or three overdubs for each song, like just a guitar solo or some, some backing vocals and things like that. So they really leaned into the vintage live feel for that album. And it really comes across in the, like the very fifties and sixties influenced rhythm sections. Like you can almost hear like a Roy Orbison or even like a Elvis track in those, in the drums on a lot of those songs. And like the, um, the, the, it's got a very, very, very California kind of vibe. And just even the way it's like recorded and mixed, it sounds like one of those, mid 70s mid 80s california kind of major rock records and it's kind of one of the only records that's kind of come out in the last decade or so that's really adequately sounded like an album from the 60s or 70s and and that even they that's definitely something they've even carried forward into their into the their newest album tranquility base hotel and casino is definitely an even heavier exercise in the creation of a kind of almost a new vintage album. But after, after suck it and see, they kind of did another almost studio 180 in that, like they wanted to kind of make their almost most produced record yet with their next album, which ended up becoming kind of their biggest hit. 2013's AM and um that album really started out because they they really wanted to finally crack America the way they had cracked a lot of the rest of the world and a lot of that kind of desire stemmed from a 2012 tour that they did with the Black Keys oh as an opening act uh across America and Alex Turner talked about being an opening act again was a little bit of a weird experience for him because he was playing these arenas across the U.S. and he'd be looking up during a song and he'd see a guy in the like 10th row just looking at his phone because he was just waiting for the Black Keys to come on. So that really kind of propelled them to want to like show up the kind of audience that they felt like maybe had been ignoring them on a mass scale kind of for the majority of their career. So they really looked to like a lot of American hip hop and other just like modern American influence when they were making AM and Alex Turner kind of once described AM as like an album where they took these desert rock kind of Queens of the stone age riffs and put a Dr. Dre beat behind them. So he was definitely really thinking from a hip hop kind of heads writing space during that time. And he was definitely really, really influenced by a lot of that nineties kind of California hip hop, like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg and NWA. So here's still, still DRE off of Dr. Dre's 2001 album, the chronic. Yeah, nigga, I'm still fucking with you. Still waters run deep. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I.A. Nah, nah, nigga. Guess who's back? Steve. Still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. 
straight day, nigga. AK, nigga. Though I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot. Cause when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock, you hit a bass from the truck when I'm on the block. Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Dre fell off. Pow, nigga, my last album was the chronic. They wanna know if he still got it. They say raps change. They wanna know how I feel about it. I can hear that big sound from AM. Yeah, those massive drums and just like that hip hop kind of bass line and groove really, really is something that kind of carried across pretty much every song on the AM record. So just to give you a quick taste, here's Why Do You Only Call Me When You're High off of the 2013 album AM. It tells me it's home time, but I'm not finished. Cause you're not by my side. And as I arrived, I thought I saw you leaving, carrying your shoes. Decided that once again I was just dreaming of bumping into you. Now it's three in the morning, and I'm trying to change your mind. Left you multiple missed calls, and to my message you replied. Why'd you only call me when you're high? So you can really hear how just important groove and like the beat were to those songs and on the AM kind of era Arctic monkeys. And you can really like kind of head bang along to pretty much every single track on that album, which is not something you can say for most indie bands for sure without being like cheesy or like feel like you don't know what you're doing. Like the, one of the only rock bands to accurately like, craft a really really deep hip-hop influence without it turning into like rap rock or something like that something kind of just like totally degenerative from the whole all the genres itself it's very much like a they created a very very unique record with am that just like ties in just like pop music and like a lot of alternative influence and like they covered uh they reworked a uh song uh, or actually more of a poem uh, from an old like post-punk poet John Cooper Clark who was like mostly famous for like playing shows with Joy Division and playing shows with like Iggy Pop uh, but they reworked one of his songs at the end of AM as kind of a uh, like almost a hip-hop version of the song I Want to Be Yours but I'll play I'll play a snippet of, a snippet of that uh real quick but it's a very very cool like he alex turner took the original lyrics of that that john cooper clark poem and kind of put them to this very unique backdrop of a beat that like sounds like it's dripping from a cave uh but it's just like a very very unique rock record for the for the decade of the 2010s and it was definitely one of the biggest rock records that happened this decade and like is definitely also one of the reasons it's one of the best selling vinyl records of the like last decade and is definitely big reason for the just like vinyl comeback with like teenagers and kids and stuff like that. Like this is definitely one of those records that's in every Urban Outfitters and you can even probably even find it in the like little tiny vinyl section at like Walmart or Target. Like this is definitely one of those like iconic records along with like Tame Impala's Currents and like a lot of like Jack White's releases in the last few years that have been just like really important and like keeping the vinyl resurgence alive. But this is I Want to Be Yours, the closing track off of off of AM, which was definitely the most successful Arctic Monkeys album, but in the US and honestly abroad, like 
Like, do I want to know the biggest, probably their biggest single biggest hit now has uh, like almost, it's like 100,000 listens, 100 million listens away from over having a billion streams on Spotify, which is something that I think only like 50 or 60 songs ever have reached. So it definitely shows you how big this album was for for the band and definitely continued to like skyrocket them kind of about as high as you can to the highest echelon of like really any rock band like they're definitely up there with like like they could probably play like they were opening up for the black keys in 2012 now but i feel like arctic monkeys could probably play play any any venue the black keys could and probably some that the black keys black keys couldn't but uh Here's uh, I Want to Be Yours. I want to be a vacuum cleaner Breathing in your dust I want to be a Ford Cortina I will never run Well, you and I both saw them on that tour, Blake, and yeah. uh, oh, yeah, definitely great, won over. <laughs> it was at Madison tour. Square Garden. I don't yeah, think anybody definitely. sat down the entire time. It was amazing. no, definitely not. Yeah, it was definitely that was definitely, and I, I think that show was their first, uh, their first official um, headline show in an arena in yeah. the United States. Um, so that that AM tour was definitely just like an amazingly successful tour for them as a as a band. And uh, definitely, like, kind of set the set the tone for them. Were where they were going um, for the next like couple years. Like they toured. AM came out in uh, mid twenty thirteen, I believe, and they toured that album until the first few months of twenty fifteen. Uh, so they toured that album for like oh almost two years. Amazing. So they definitely all by the end of that tour, definitely all kind of needed a bit of a break from the band and like another enough a, a number of them have had uh kids i think alex turner the front man is actually the only one now that doesn't have kids mm. um but um not like their bassist and their uh lead guitarist jamie cook um have both like settled down and both have like families well i know um matt helders and alex turner have like kind of settled down in the past but i think both of them are still just kind of out and about just like floating around but um this this cover at the end of am with covering this john cooper clark song definitely kind of set the stage for where arctic monkeys were gonna go like in the future like um like they took they took a five five or so year break from about or i guess four year break from 2015 to about 2018 but um, I guess kind of in that time, like Alex Turner kind of fell out of love with writing songs on like the guitar and was just like feeling like he was too, it was almost too predictable. Like he, if he picked up a guitar, he wouldn't, he just knew what was going to happen. Like mm. he knew what kind of song he would write if he picked up the guitar and stuff like that. So I think they had had a couple kind of writing jam sessions that didn't really go as well as they wanted and like huh. so they were kind of 
for a for a while they weren't quite sure what was going to happen like they weren't thinking of breaking up or anything obviously but uh like Alex Turner went on another tour and did another album with the last shadow puppets and Matt Helders got involved with like producing a couple artists and stuff. and he also like Matt Helders played drums on uh an Iggy Pop record that he did with uh a couple of the guys from Queens of the Stone Age so a lot of the members stayed stayed pretty busy in their kind of break but um in the last, like, I think kind of starting in, like, 2016, uh, Alex Turner got, like, a, um, he got, like, a really nice, uh, upright piano as a gift from their manager, I think, yeah. kind of as just, like, a, I think it was his 30th birthday present because Alex Turner recently, kind of the past few years, turned 30. Okay. Um, because they're still, just because when they, like, started out, we, even though they started out, like, over 10 years ago, they were, like, 17 18 when right. they started out so they're still and they're still not that old like i think alex turner might be 31 32 like they're still all in their early 30s so they still definitely have like a a decent like at least another decade of like probably a lot of our monkeys material kind of kind of uh to 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 get out but um after that after that record when they were kind of just like relaxing and uh just like kind of figuring out where to go creatively alex started writing a lot on that piano that he got as a gift he was also just like really affected by just like a lot of things that were happening in like the world like david bowie passing away was something that had probably a pretty profound effect on him just like david bowie's music in general was always like a probably a decent influence but something it was definitely like an influence that he started realizing a lot more just like with the last last shadow puppets album and then also just like in some of the more recent arctic monkeys work like am and suck it and see was definitely like a lot of that 70s rock uh influence and so like there were a lot of other artists and leonard cohen as well who passed Mm away um was another big uh influence on alex turner just like from as like a lyricist and uh just like a songwriter but um Alex Turner talks a lot about just like getting really into the just like the spiders from Mars era, Ziggy Stardust and stuff like that. So I wanted to play uh, the track Moon Age Daydream off of uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars um, because it kind of sets the stage where for where Arctic Monkeys were sort of going um, with their most recent release, which is uh, called Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. But uh, this is Moon Age Daydream off of uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. Keep your mouth shut. Just walk like a big monkey So he was definitely they were just the whole band was definitely like very inspired by the like the glam rock period and just like that whole whole period of like rock in the the 70s and 80s. But like when they started getting back together with these songs that Alex had started writing on the piano, like they kind of noticed that like one, the songs were a lot different because like they they had never heard Alex like play piano before, like Jamie Cook. um like 
talks about like how he was one of the first to kind of hear a lot of these songs because Alex just invited him down uh, before the rest of the band kind of just to like work out some parts for the for the songs and stuff. But he talked about like listening to the songs at first and being like, wow, I, I've never really I, this is definitely not what I would have expected. And he, they uh, they all came to really, really enjoy the songs. But it was definitely like a, a bit of a surprise for even the band themselves. But um, Alex kind of got very into, like, he was very aware of just, like, everything that was happening politically around the United States at the time, just, like, with with Trump getting elected and just, like, a lot of just, like, politics and just, like, the politics in, in Britain with Brexit and everything like that. So he was just very, like, he's never really written political music before, but uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino is definitely, like, Alex Turner's kind of, um, I guess just like the best way to describe it is his just like kind of looking out on, um, on a current society kind of from this like gauge of almost like a 2001 space oddity odyssey kind of sci-fi, uh, concept album. Like he, the, the whole concept of the tranquility based hotel and casino is that it's a, um, a uh, hotel on the moon um Hmm. that like was built after there was some kind of catastrophe on earth that caused a lot of people to move these like the moon resort or whatever so it's a it's a loose concept album it's not like entirely about that but a lot of the a lot of the songs kind of touch on just like current societal problems and like um the current leader of the free world and just like Donald Trump and stuff like that but um it looks at like society and just technology and our our reliance on things like that from this like air of like a glam rock um a glam rock uh I guess concept album uh from space almost but um like I'm going to play the uh, title track just called Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino and uh it kind of lays out the, the, that that specific song kind of lays out the character that Alex Turner is playing kind of across the album where he's like an observer or maybe he's a worker at the hotel, but he just he uh, observes a lot of just like the aristocratic people who who uh, he sees and just like the the way the world kind of works and revolves around from his his eyes on the I guess from up on the moon, but, um, it's a, it's a fantastic record. That's really, really creative. And they really, uh, they really, um, went for it with just like, uh, a record that like, there's guitars all over every song on the record, but it doesn't feel like a guitar record. It feels like a, like, it feels almost like Arctic monkeys making their own version of like a pet sounds or a Sergeant Pepper's lonely hearts club band. It's definitely like, a a a take on that kind of almost pop art version of like what a rock band could be uh especially like oh it takes a lot of influence from the the glam rock and the pet sounds of the world but uh here's tranquility based hotel and casino Casino, Mark 
So the record obviously has a very old school feel, but like that, that the bass and the drums are still very like locked in similar to that, the, the way they were on AM. It's just, they have a very like old school, very pet sounds, very like glam rock aesthetic to the, the whole sound of the record. Um, and it sounds, and Alex Turner actually recorded a lot of this record himself at his, uh, home studio, kind of in his house. So a little bit, it does have a little bit of that, like, kind of lower fi home recorded quality, which I think is a very cool thing for a band as big as Arctic Monkeys to kind of explore this far into their career. And they're talking a lot about, like, Alex Turner, as good of a songwriter as he is for, until this record had kind of always written about just, like, relationships and women and just life's, his lifestyle around kind of just the way it formed around those things and stuff like that. But, like, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino is a very, very much a, like, just a look into how he views society and he's singing about just the protest songs and a lot of just like religious idealizations and things like that. It's very, very interesting um, and very cool to see, see a rock band of that caliber kind of explore. But um, I mean, they've, they've had a very, very long career, like over, over a decade now. And they've definitely influenced like, I mean, they've been influenced by countless of bands and they've influenced countless, countless bands like Alex Turner and our, and Matt Helders have produced artists of their own, like Alexandra Savior, and a fantastic like indie indie artist in her own right, had her first record. Like she co-wrote and produced a lot of it with Alex Turner. Um and uh it's got it's got like a little bit of his uh his uh kind of uh staple on it, but it's very much her own kind of project and it's very much her own sound. But um it's just like well, that's just one of the many uh, ways you can kind of see their influence on just like indie music and as a whole, and like countless indie artists like Tame Impala and Haim all count. Arctic Monkeys is just an influence on their career in one way or another. Arctic Monkeys are definitely one of the most like successful indie bands, probably of the last like decade or so. Honestly, like they've they've been kicking since like 2006, and they've been basically have had endless success since then. Like everything they've done has essentially become very successful, and that includes stuff like Alexandra Savior's music that Alex has produced. So they they've definitely become like one of the biggest successes in the modern music industry. Yeah, sir. Yeah, I mean, given how much they've experimented and evolved oh, it makes yeah. it really makes you wonder what what's next definitely i mean you could really i mean i have no idea and they're one of my favorite bands like it's cool to say you have no idea where your favorite band is going to go next and it's it's very true because i do have no idea where they're going to go next so the new the next arctic monkeys album could sound like depeche mode for all i <laughs> i know so right like I mean, and I think they could they could pull off pretty much anything, just based on how much they've covered already. 
and how much they continue to just like want to push forward it seems like but they're uh they, yeah they're a fantastic band um and i'll leave i'll leave kind of everyone else with um one more track off their most recent record uh tranquility base hotel and casino it's uh kind of the 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 biggest single i guess it's called four out of five it's definitely the biggest like festival track off this off this record i i saw them at Lollapalooza off the, off the tour of this record and this was definitely a big a big sing-along i think they opened with it but it was a a great show and they're they're a fantastic live band so they definitely are one of the like indie bands i feel like they'll still definitely be kicking in another 10 years time and that can't be said for a lot of a lot of bands that are out and about right now even the very very successful ones but here's here's a uh, four out of five the uh lead single off of uh tranquility base hotel and casino the newest record from arctic monkeys uh thank you guys so much this has been uh the uh sixth episode of influenced thanks thanks so much again for tuning in Start your free trial today Come on in the waters Lovely look You could meet someone you like Join the meteor strike It is that easy Lunar surface on a Saturday night Dressed up in silver and white With colored old grey whistle Test light